everybody. It's Dave here from Vikings First and Skull with Darren Campbell over there. We are your two old bloggers. Been doing this for over two decades of peace. That is commenting on the Vikings publicly. Mostly in written form until the last five years or so. Where we decided to take it visual. For good or for bad. Either way. Today we're going to talk about three themes as usual. First one's going to be what will life be like without Justin Jefferson in the lineup? It's an interesting question, and I'm sure we're going to start to find out tomorrow during the game. Second theme, is it time to sell yet? And if the Vikings do become sellers of assets, whom might that be? I'm sure this won't be the last discussion on that topic, but we'll get a little bit more in-depth into it today. And finally, we're going to preview that matchup tomorrow, where your Minnesota Vikings take the trip down to Soldier Field to meet the Chicago Bears. We'll see how that goes next on Two Old Blockers. Vikings First and Skull presents This Week in Vikings Land with Darren and Dave, your two old bloggers. Hey, everybody, it's Dave here, Darren over there. How are things in the great white north there, Darren, this, this wonderful week? Probably better year than it is in the sort of north and Egan these days. <laughs> and everybody wants your head and wants the coach fired and the GM fired and trade this guy. And how come we're not going to make the playoffs? And yeah, it's been a dis- and depressing week football wise for oh, your yes. Vikings fans. It has. We even brought it back Sean Mannion. My God, what, what's, what's the world coming to? Uh, well, you've seen the Peanuts cartoon and Linus in his blue or gray blanket. I think Sean Mannion is Kirk Cousins' blue or gray blanket. So that's just my analysis. Yes. For what it's worth. All right. Let's get, <laughs> let's get this started. Going to theme one. First off, I want to acknowledge everybody in the chat. We have Dustin, Justin, Davey, Purple Haze. Who else am I missing? The Doc. Mr. Dr. Proto is here. Bob Sweed was in there. Yep. Bob Sweed. I always like Swede as a name. Came from one of my favorite movies, Heartbreak Ridge. Speaking of heartbreak, we're going <laughs> in to talk about life without Justin Jefferson. As I said, Dave, been a very depressing week for me. This week, does, uh, I'm for, I think most Viking fans really sucked. Uh, you, you get Sunday, the Vikings play with you again. Hey, Jonathan. Uh, they doing what they've been doing all year right they they're they're in the game they, you know they played pretty well not great not terrible 
lose another close one score game. Fum, fumble again, lose the fumble. And then what's worse is then JJ goes down on a, he slips on the turf, uh, looked like a fairly ordinary cut, goes down, and then he's out. Hamstring injury doesn't come back in the game. Of course, they put him on IR. Uh, it seems like it's a fairly serious uh, hamstring injury. He's out for four games anyway, and maybe longer, depending on how things progress. So that ain't good. Uh, for the, and, and, you know, when you're one and four, your playoff hopes are slim already. Uh, well, you lose Justin Jefferson, your playoff hopes are probably <laughs> close to shot. Uh, even even the most optimistic Viking fans would have to agree that's not a good thing. Um, so it's kind of, and that's for, for me anyway, Dave, I don't know how other people feel about it, but <clears throat> with the way the season has gone and with the playoffs not looking like they're doable, uh, things could change, but even with him in the lineup, like the way the Vikings have been, the way they've been playing, uh, same thing every week. Uh, again, play just well enough to lose, lose by one score, uh, most four out of the five games. Um, look, same team looks much the same as it did last year. Like Justin Jefferson is one of the few interesting things to watch on this team right now. Like, <laughs> and, and, and the whole thing about, okay, can he break the 2000 yard uh, receiving yard barrier? That was one thing. And then maybe possibly could even break Michael Thomas's 149 catches in a season. Uh, that was seen. That was a little bit farther off, but the 2000 yards was definitely doable with the way he went, even with a, 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 like a slow, not much of a yardage game last week. Well, He's gone now. That's all out the table. So what, even that joy that Justin Jefferson was bringing me has now been wiped out uh, with the hamstring injury. Um, so very depressing for me. But hey, the Vikings still have 12 games to play. They're going to play them. And the question becomes now is, without Justin Jefferson, is what is the offense going to look like when the guy that Kevin O'Connell admits is the offense runs through Justin Jefferson – what are they going to do now that they don't have him to have a functional, efficient, effective offense? Um, one that gives the Vikings a chance to at least try to protect starting this week to turn, to at least keep themselves in the playoff picture for another week. Uh, Cause certainly if you go one and five, things aren't good. Well, um, I guess, you know, the first thing is if, if you got Jordan Addison and you haven't, and you're got, you're in a fantasy football league, Dave, and you got Jordan Addison and you haven't added him yet, maybe you should, because (laughs) he, he, I think he is going to be a guy who's, who's going to become, he's going to get increased targets. You know, Justin Jefferson, the Vikings have thrown 204 passes this year, the most in the NFL at this point through five games. Jefferson has gotten 25% 25% of those targets, which seems like a lot to me. I think that is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Randy, by, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I think that, you know, the Vikings are, they may dial back the passing or at least try to initially with this new offense. And we're going to talk a bit about that. Uh, but I think that they're still, um, if they can't run effectively, they're going to have to do what they do best, and that is getting Kirk Cousins to drop back and, and throw the ball. And in that case, somebody's got to be targeted and catch them. And then Jordan Addison is an obvious guy that's going to be a beneficiary for this. You know, he's done, he's only gotten um, 29 targets so far in the five games. So he's been a little underused, I think. Uh, but he's doing well 19 catches, um, you know, well over. 
think uh, well over 200 yards, three, three TDs. Uh, he's shown that he, you know, he's got a lot of promise. He's been as advertised for me anyway, uh, but he's with Jeff Jefferson out of the game uh, for the next four games. At least he's the most explosive offensive player that we have. Uh, hey, Anthony out there. So, <laughs> You know, he's going to be a guy that is going to see increased targets. He's going to become, I think, a much more of a obvious, I think it's obvious he's got to become much more of a focal point of this offense and be a bigger part of the passing game than he's been. Um, so he's a guy that's going to benefit from him. I think we have to, I think that now with him, potentially Dave being the number one wide receiver, uh, number one receiving option on as, as far as a wide receiver anyway, um, you know, he's still a rookie. He's only five games into it. He's still got things that he needs to work on and get better at. You've talked about it. Our Tyler Fornes has talked about it in the past. You hear other people talk about it. So um, it'll be interesting to see if he's getting more targets. Um, like, like can he handle right now being the main cog in the Vikings offense or one of the main cogs in the offense compared to the first five games, he was like the third or fourth option you'd throw the ball to at this point. Now he might be the number one option you throw to or the number two option. It's a bit of a difference. It means defenses are going to pay more attention to him um, and defend him potentially a little bit differently. And he's going to have to adjust and react and, and grow with that. And if he if he does do that, then that's good for the Vikings offense. If he doesn't do that, then you're kind of wondering, okay, where is our passing game going to come from? Um, that guy over there. <laughs> That's right. That guy over there, like the guy who has the second most targets uh, next to Justin Jefferson is TJ Hawkinson. And uh, I was listening to uh, Locked on the Vikings podcast with Luke Braun uh, earlier in the week, and he was uh, throwing a lot of like lauding the you know, the, the role that TJ Hawkinson has in the bike, in the Kevin O'Connell offense and all that he does for the Vikings. Uh, and Luke really feels that TJ Hawkinson is, is the guy along with Jefferson that really allowed, allowed the Vikings to be offense to be as effective or, you know, to do what it has done so far this season. And so I don't know, I don't know how much more TJ Hawkinson could do than he's already been doing for the Vikings offense under Kevin. Well, there's that. There was a few drops last week. I think one or two of them were definitely catchable. The one of them was one that would have been like a really tough, tough catch to make. Uh, but he is a guy who's going to see. I don't know exactly how much differently they're going to use him, but he's going to see, should see more targets his way. And maybe he's not so much an underneath a short yardage option that he seems to have been uh in early in this season and even latter latter of 2022 maybe they try to find a way to unlock more explosive plays with him scheming him up and getting him down the field a bit more on Get throws medium death yeah a little beyond 10 to 20 yards ish and right. let him go from there yeah that makes sense so he and he's a guy that's if we're looking for more explosive plays and, and Justin Jefferson isn't there, then he's a guy that that's got to bring some of those to the Vikings offense. I think the other thing, Dave, along with Addison, more of a role, TJ Hawkinson, maybe getting even more of a role than he already has. Hawkinson, you could say, depending on how Addison does, how defenses, um, uh, defend him. Hold on. Who didn't like that? We got a thumbs down. Talking about oh. T.J. Hawkinson and Jordan Addison. I would like to know who did not like that. 
Flint, I appreciate it. Go ahead and put your remark in the chat. We'll answer. I'm curious why you didn't like that. But thanks for interacting and helps the algorithm. That's true. Um, you know, beyond Hawkinson and Addison, uh, the other thing, um, Kevin O'Connell talked about earlier in the week about how the Vikings now have to reinvent themselves a bit as an offense. And he mentioned, we've got the personnel that we can do that. He mentioned CJ Ham in particular, a guy who averages about 10 snaps a game <laughs> at, the, at the best of times so far this year. So an odd guy to, to mention, but I, I do think that the Ham is a guy that you'd bring in if you were going to, go with more heavy personnel and try to lean on the running game a bit more. And I think that that is what O'Connell, how this offense will function or at least try to uh, in the, in, in the near term. Anyway, I think you're going to see more 12 personnel, two tight ends. Uh, that's where you use Josh Oliver a bit more than you have so far. Oliver, the most snaps he's had in the game was the very first game against the Buccaneers. He had 30 snaps um, generally in the Vikings. If they're having a good day, they're getting around 60 60 to 65 offensive snaps a game, in which case Oliver is only playing half of them um, at this point. Uh, if they're going to lean on the running game a bit more, and I think they're going to try, then Josh Oliver is a guy that you're going to see in there more. You're going to see more of Hawkinson and Oliver in there at the game. Maybe they even have CJ Ham in, in a bit more uh, leading Madison or Akers who, or whoever is in the game as well. And go with that heavy personnel and try to try to uh, churn out and be uh, the running and make the running game a little bit more effective. Try to churn out f- four or five yard runs and try to reduce the amount of third and longs that you have. Um, and potentially I think you, what you might see is that, you know how it is Vi- uh, Dave, when the Vikings don't have a successful run on their first play, you know, they get two yards or one yard or or three. They tend to almost all the time, they'll pass on second down on, on second and long. I think without Justin Jefferson, that might be something that O'Connell does a little bit, maybe a lot less. And he'll try to stick with the run game more because he doesn't want to, if he doesn't complete the pass or you, or you get a sack, you're even further behind on the change in third downs and you on third down than, than you were if you tried to run and get even to get a couple of yards. So I, I think that might be a little bit of a difference. I do wonder about the, the offensive line, Dave, because the offensive line, although it's it's been getting, I think, pretty good pro football focus grades have been pretty kind to them the past couple of games. Uh they have um and Going more with the run suits at least one of the offense starting offensive linemen. Uh, his skill set better, I think, in that Ed Ingram is a way better run blocker than a pass blocker, and his grades on the run blocking have been very, very good two of the last three games. So if you're going using going to the run more, at least that might help Ed be even more, be more effective because he doesn't have to pass block as much and he's doing more than <laughs> <laughs> you know, going at guys and, and hammering them. Uh, but you very well could be right. And I suspect we'll be running the ball more. And I think against Chicago, it's why not? Well, you, the way Chicago's defense has played this year, you can, you can, teams have done both things. <laughs> you know, they, it's going to be a pick on you if they choose. But I, I, the, the thing about going with the run more is that I think that this offense, the offensive line does, uh, they don't strike me as one that, uh, I can impose their will on front other front sevens. Like if they're not so good that they can just say, okay, we're going to run. 
the defense, you know what we're going to do. We're going to do it anyway, and we're going to beat you. We don't have that kind of physical mauling offensive line, I think, that I does that. We did. I hope um, they develop that sort of attitude. It'd be great. But uh, nonetheless, I think O'Connell, when you don't have your best offensive player, and that best offensive player happens to be wide receiver and the best one in the game, um, it makes it seems pretty logical that, hey, um, I'm going to have to try to run the ball more and see if I can have get that work and be more effective on that and take some of the pressure off our passing game. Uh, and if that works, that kind of helps because you can churn out, uh, you can keep the clock going uh, and you can reduce some of the time that the other offense has to score points on you and all those sorts of things. So um, I think that is where we're headed offensively. Uh, it'll be... Uh, you know, it'll be maybe a little less fun to watch, um, a little less explosive offense, but that doesn't mean it won't be just as, as effective. And again, like you said, Dave, the first chance for us to find out what the new Justin Jefferson less Vikings offense looks like is tomorrow against Chicago bears and a pretty good, I think a pretty good uh, opponent to to try that out on because again, the, mm-hmm. as we'll get into later, the Bears' defense is not very good. Right, and for me, it's an opportunity for Kevin O'Connell to to expand, to get creative, because mm-hmm. now he can't just rely on, oh shit, no matter what down it is, we need a first down throw to Justin Jefferson in his playbook. He and a lot of stuff in the playbook was geared around Justin Jefferson because Justin Jefferson's that good. I think now they're going to have to get more creative. I think we'll probably see some more motions tomorrow, which I think is going to be a good thing. You're going to see some more creative plays. And if they get out of this minimum four-game stretch without J.J., and they have become better as an offense without him, when he comes back, it's going to be all, it'll be just you know, frosting on the cake, and we have a chance. Now, that's a big if, if yeah. they do this. I We're going to find out, obviously, starting tomorrow, how that's going to look. But it gives him the opportunity. It gives the offense an opportunity to step up. Let's see if they take it. And if, if folks, some folks, they remember... Um, we had a kind of a similar situation happen almost 20 years ago. Remember Randy Ross, 2004, hurt his hamstring uh, early in the season. Uh, he, they, he, they didn't sit him out right away. He played two games, was pretty much useless, was a decoy, didn't catch any passes in those two games. Then he missed three games. And even and the Vikings, same thing. Their offense depended on Randy Moss to open up everything. Um, you know, that was the days of the Randy ratio and him catching 100 passes a year and all that stuff. And all for five games, they, they didn't have him. The, the funny thing is, is that in those five games, that offense did not tank. They actually were still effective. Nate Burleson stepped up. You know, the running game, you know, stepped up. Uh, and... Similar situation here, an opportunity, like you say, for several players, for Kevin O'Connell to do things a little bit differently, uh, get more creative, uh, maybe take some chances and see if and, and learn how to have an offense when you're how to have a functioning, effective offense when your best player is not on the field. Mm-hmm. I agree. That's where, 
that's where the, you know, if you're a great coach, this is where you really make your money when you're missing a guy like Justin Jefferson and you can still get the offense to be effective and be a plus for your team. That's right. Jonathan asked a question. Are we doing a competitive tanking? Quote. <laughs> Tomorrow we'll find out. That's a good question. It leads us into theme two, Jonathan. Thanks for the transition. Yes. Very nice. Is it time to sell yet? The, for some people, the time to sell was when we went 0-2 because there was all <laughs> talk about back then about trade cousins, you know, and uh, and we and yeah, when you go one and four, you're again playoffs traditionally or historically for the past you know forty years, you go one and four. Um, there's it's like only very, been one team. yeah, yeah, uh, very few. You know that your season is is pretty much toast. Uh, in that case. Uh, and, and you know the Vikings have reached an interesting tipping point with the the NFL trade deadline happening on Halloween night, uh, Halloween uh, October thirty first. Not very far away. You're one and four again, three games behind the Lions in the division title, uh, and you're not again. Your chances of making the playoffs are very slim. So if, if that's the reality facing you, and it is for the Vikings, uh, what is the point in keeping veteran players who? are only signed through this year, keeping them, and then you're probably going to lose them, uh, especially if they're veterans who are getting close to, or 30, getting close to 30 or, or over 30. They're probably not in your long-term plans. Uh, if you've decided, if Kwesi Adolfo Mensa decides that the competitive rebuild is now just a rebuild, <laughs> then <laughs> it's time to think pretty seriously about selling some veteran assets that you know aren't part of the long-term well, you're, you know, long-term aren't going to be here long-term for your team and try to get some draft capital so you can get more tickets in the lottery that is the NFL draft. Um, earlier this, earlier we talked again about Kirk Cousins, so there was speculation, ah, trading with the Jets. There's a whole bunch of reasons and we went into them why that probably wasn't going to happen, even though it's a good idea in theory, but it wasn't going to happen. No trade clause. You know, what is the market? The Wills don't really want us to sell that early, you know, you know and all those things uh, and Kirk liking it in Minnesota and, and being like, I'm just going to stay here whether you want to get rid of me or not kind of attitude. Uh, so that is since week two, when we talked about it, it seems even that nothing has changed in that situation. Right. Kirk got asked about it this week and he gave a non-answer, which was the right thing to do. But um, he I, didn't I, say I, no though. Say no, but he would never say yes. It would just be that would cause a shitstorm that he doesn't want to be part of. And so he just said, I'm focused on this week, which is the right thing to say because he should be focused on this week. And I sh- I'm sure he is. Um, but I, very, 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 very unlikely. I'd be shocked if Cousins got traded. If you agree. If, and so you can, I think you can throw that out. There has been talk about, hey, the Vikings will look. They should be looking at trading KJ Osborne and Ezra Cleveland because they're both again on their last year of their rookie deals. Um, they're guys that are kind of like, should we keep them or should we not? Are they worthwhile keeping? I think that you know the age of them. KJ's twenty six, Ezra is twenty five. Uh, they're they're young enough and again promising. You know they have enough potential, I guess, at their, to, that the Vikings 
could consider those guys to be long-term, fairly affordable guys to keep on your team. And we don't know, uh, maybe Kevin O'Connell and Kwesi Adolfa Mensah value both of those guys a lot more than we think they, that they do, and that they do consider them to be guys that they want to try to keep on the team, and they're, they're going to try to resign. Um, when the off season occurs, maybe even sooner. We don't know that, but I think it's unlikely that they get jettisoned traded again, because they're because of their age and because um, of they've performed well at times during their career when they've been given the chance. Um, but and right number now, one, Ezra is the number 10 guard in the NFL. Yeah. Out of all so, numbers. It's according to BFF and yeah. that, we know that NFL teams use almost all NFL teams use PFFs, mm-hmm. and so do the agents to promote their their players, and that's going to demand a hefty salary somewhere at yeah. some point in time. So, for a guard, the, yeah, for sure, yes. But uh, the Vikings do have some veterans, and I think we know a lot of them that uh, aren't signed aren't in the situation that KJ Osborne and Ezra Cleveland are in that are getting up there. And your number one, you know, trade asset right now is Daniel Launcher for sure. If you can, when you take Kirk Cousins off the board, it's Daniel Hunter all the way. And a bunch of reasons for that. He plays a premium position he can be defensive end or edge. If he's in a three, four, he's been playing, he's got the six sacks in five games. So he's got the stats that, you know, other team is going to grab other teams' attentions. Mm-hmm even though his PFF grades have been so-so this year. But when it comes to people notice sacks, and he's had quite a few of them in the five games, that'll attract attention. He doesn't turn 29 until October the 29th. Right. So that's not super, super young, but he's not ancient either. Like if you look, Von Miller is, people still consider him a strong pass rusher, and he's 34. Um, so, And he was traded he, when he was 32. Two, that's right. So Hunter is young enough that you could a team could trade for him and still consider signing him to a fairly, you know, somewhat lengthy three-year extension and feel comfortable that he's going to be a, a good, productive player for them during those three years. Um, and and the other thing is is that the, there's a demand. Every teams always need pass rushers, uh, and. You have to look at it on the Daniel Hunter side. Again, if the season is going badly and the Vikings again decide, Quasi Dofa Mensa and the front office and the coaching staff decide we've got to just turn the competitive rebuild into a rebuild. Well, Hunter knows that. He, and his thinking would be, well, why am I going to sign to a rebuilding team when I can go to pick whatever team I want and go to a team that has a much better chance to make the Super Bowl after I've been with this franchise for nine years and we've made the playoffs i think four times in my nine years and made one nfc championship and it doesn't look like we're getting to the super bowl anytime super. between now and when i, when I retire so quasi doverman has got to put all of that into the hopper and make a decision and i think it's going to be pretty tempting to look at a guy like hunter if your season is lost and say uh i'm going to lose him at the end of the year likely i will he's not part of the long-term plan here Let's get some assets for him. And he's the guy on the roster outside of Cousins that can probably get you the most draft picks or assets out of everybody on your roster other than Justin Jefferson or Christian Derrissaw, two guys who you aren't going to trade, <laughs> right? right. Um, and uh, so 
Hunter's a guy and there's been talk about him. I think that, uh, you know, for me, a couple of just looking at certain teams and actually there's a report, like a, a, there's a few that kind of stand out Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are both teams that are three and two right now. They're in the playoff situation, but they don't have a lot of depth at the pass rush position uh, for Jacksonville. Hey, if you could uh, like pair Daniil Hunter with Josh Allen, who also has uh, like you know, Allen, who also has six sacks for them, uh, that would look, you know, that they might feel that that's something that can vault them into like definitely making the playoffs and making some noise in the playoffs, getting a healthy, productive Daniil Hunter on their team. Uh, the same thing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They don't have really a scary pass rusher. Yeah, they got Joe Tryon and Barrett and those guys, but they aren't really, they aren't making the huge difference that Daniil Hunter could. Um, he's and again he he's a guy that i think would be very attractive to them and they might think can get them uh make them a much better team even miami <laughs> Dave, right. who who is somebody uh that they, they're one of the the teams that they could look at yeah we've we've got some we've got a bunch of guys who potentially could be pass, good pass rushers but we don't really have anybody who's really standing out right now other than the von ginkle kid who's been doing pretty well and they might look at having Hunter as a guy who can be that one big, huge uh, get that can put them over the top and make them the top dog in the AFC over the Bengals or over the Bills and over um, the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Barnwell did a story this week with ESPN about trade candidates, and he had two Vikings on them, and Hunter was one of those guys. And he had Hunter getting traded to the Detroit Lions, uh, I think it was for trying to look here, but he had um, them, uh, the Lions, again, this is just Barnwell kind of thinking what makes logical sense, speculating, but he had uh, 100 to the Lions and the Lions would get a fifth rounder from us as well in 2024, but they get a, we get a second from them. James Houston, who's a second year uh, edge rusher for them, uh, injured right now. And the conditional third in 2025, the conditional, it would, we would get the third if Hunter signed an extension with the lines and, and stayed there. If he didn't, then we wouldn't get that third rounder. But anyway, that, that was the one deal, which you're trading to a divisional rival. Maybe it wouldn't, uh, but uh, it wouldn't be something that would be well received by Viking fans. But fans as we know, Quasi's like no. already done traded with the lines twice uh, in the past 12 years. Um, but I think that, you know, all those things is that you look at Hunter, um, there's going to be a market for him. And I think that there's lots, again, lots of teams that need edge rushers. Hunter's a guy that could be going and it makes sense that he can go. And again, if you're not going to have him next year or there's not a good chance you're going to bring him back next year, you got to seriously look at whether it's time to, as much as you don't want to, it's time to, um, trade him and get some some guys or some draft picks, maybe even some young players with some upside that can kickstart the rebuild for you and, and put you in that, uh, give you a chance to really more, again, more draft capital, more younger players to kickstart the rebuild and, and build a better future for the Vikings. Um, I'd like to answer my worthless opinions question. He asked, these guys are all free agents in three months. How much trade value do they really have? And the answer to that is 
trading early, if a team has fancied them prior, trading early gets you the ability to have control at least for a brief amount of time over that player. So if, say, Jacksonville was the one that wanted to get Daniil Hunter, Jacksonville could trade, get Daniil Hunter, they like what they see, sign him to an extension, and that may be part of the trade. And then they have them locked up, and that doesn't allow anybody else in the AFC to take him ahead of them. And they, they don't have to get into the massive bidding war when everybody's a free agent and you're looking at Daniil Hunter and going, man, this guy is really, really good. And then he's going for top dollar somewhere. He just wants to get paid whatever. And if Jacksonville's willing to do that, that's fine. It gives them a head start. And that's all it does. It's it's similar to the same philosophy of taking guys you would put on a practice squad in the seventh round so you're not competing with anybody. That's why a lot of UDFAs like to get past the seventh round, the good ones, and then be offered money to do that. It's sort of like that. Now, it all depends also on how desperate that team is. If they feel they are that one piece away from competing and not only going to the playoffs, but winning in the playoffs, they may be desperate to have that body on the field to improve, to be that last piece. And then generally at that point, that's when they start to pay premiums when it comes to the trade to get that person. So Daniel Hunter obviously has the highest value of any of those, you know, less than the season left until they're free agent folks on the team. I would say with the exception of maybe Kirk Cousins, because some Kirk Cousins will be somewhere next year. Unless he completely falls off the cliff during this season. There's so you're hoping for somebody desperate and somebody that thinks he's the the individual player, whether it's Hunter, whether it's Ezra, whether whether it's KJ, whomever it is, whether it's Hicks, and we haven't got to Hicks yet, that that's the one piece they're looking for. They're willing to pay for it and pay a premium for it so they can get that now and apply it to this season. That's the value it comes in, NWO. And that's why people will jump early rather than wait until everybody's a free agent. I hope that makes sense. The And, and edge rushers have gone the last two uh, trade deadlines. The, the NFL trade deadline isn't always that busy. Sometimes there isn't a whole lot of activity at all. But but last year, uh, and uh, Grand Eiser mentioned Bradley Chubb in there, uh, uh, like he, Chubb got traded from the Broncos to the Dolphins uh, for a first and a fourth. Uh, the fourth was in 2024, and, and then and then Chase Edmonds, and then the you know the Broncos got a little bit of draft uh, draft pick back them, themselves, or or Miami got something back themselves. So that was last year in 2021. Of course, Von the Broncos traded Von Miller to the Rams for a second and a third in 2024. Um, so, and and then you got the Barnwell speculation, but um, the 
what I think I think if, if Hunter were to get traded, I don't think we get a first rounder for for him. Uh, we'd see, but I, I think it'd be more along the lines of what the compensation that the Broncos got for Vaughn Miller, uh, just because like Chubb was a little bit quite a, quite a bit younger than than Hunter is right now. He was twenty six when he got uh, traded last year, uh, and uh, even though he hadn't had the the, 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 quite the resume that Hunter did, but he was a bit younger. So, um, th- that, uh, but there is, I think that you're going to get somewhere like a, a high first day or second day pick for Daniel Hunter if you trade him and something else. Uh, you're much, I don't think you're going to get a first rounder, and that will upset some Vikings fans because they'll say, How can you trade Daniel Hunter and not get a first rounder for it? He's one of the best pass rushers in the game. That's true, but. Uh, <laughs> Again, when you look at the teams are going to, again, how long am I going to have Neil Hunter? You know, there's only so much that they're mm-hmm. going to be willing to pay. And they might not want to give up the premium first rounder. Um, and the teams that I mentioned as potentials, Miami, Tampa Bay, Jacksonville, none of them have a lot of cap space right now. So they, there would have to be some things that they'd have to, the team, most teams are going to have to juggle something. Uh, as Grandizer is saying, like you got Chubb's got a huge contract and Ogba's got pretty pricey too they got the financials have to work but but teams can find a way if they really want a player and daniel helder is a player that i think a lot of teams particularly playoff teams that don't have great pass rushes are going to kick the tires on and call the vikings about Um, a couple other guys uh, we said bill barnwell's story mentioned jordan hicks in that same article Uh, had him going to the bills for a fifth rounder um that one makes sense because the Bills just lost Matt Milano for quite a while. Um, maybe for he might not be back the whole season. Hicks is again; he's thirty-one, so he, and he's only he's only signed for two. He was only he's on a two-year contract. This is the last year of that contract. Um, probably not coming back next year. Thirty-one. He's not part of the long-term plan for the Vikings either. Uh, he's only got I think two point eight million left on his contract, so he's a real affordable guy to, for another team to pick up mm-hmm. if they do trade him. And the other, a couple other things is that, um, you know, he's having an excellent season so far. He's like sixth for pro football focus has a rank sixth of all off ball linebackers out of 52 off ball linebackers. He is ranked sixth right now. And if you, and that matches the eye test for me, because I think Hicks has been excellent for the Vikings so far this season. One of probably outside of Hunter, he's probably been our best defensive player uh, out there. Um, It's a pleasant surprise. Too. Very much so, because last year I thought he was a disappointment and was a bit of a liability. This year he's been a real strong player for us. So if if you're a like if you're a team, like I said, a playoff team, you're needing some depth at an inside linebacker. You you're looking for an affordable guy, a veteran who's also a very strong locker room presence and a great character guy, uh, a great guy to add to your team and and have as a teammate. Jordan Hicks, Hicks makes a lot of sense and you're only going to have to give up a, th- a day three pick to get him. <laughs> you know, that's, that's it. So, so Hicks, I think another guy to keep an eye on if we do trade, if we become sellers is Marcus Davenport. Um, <laughs> I know he's only played two games so far and he's going to play his third, but it, again, he's only signed for this year. Basically um, he's already, you know, he was on, I know that he was on a bit of a, potentially his, that one-year deal was looked as an audition for him, that if he really played well, that there'd be the Quasi Dofimensa and the Vikings would look to re-sign him. Of course you would. You want to keep good players. But 
he's got two sacks in two games that he's played. So there, there's, there's, again, there's that sack <laughs> total that, that's going to catch people's eye. Um, but he's been, again, the injuries. That was an issue, has been an issue for him his whole career. And he's missed three games with the Vikings because of an ankle injury. And he's been on the injury report every week. Um, so, again, he's 27. So he's a guy that's young enough that the Vikings, if they liked him, they, they could consider re-signing him. But I think the injury thing, and if your season is going south, and, again, if you're looking at, you're not sure if you want to re-sign him or even if Davenport would want to re-sign with you, um, again, you got to consider trying to trade him for and get some draft capital. Again, Davenport is a guy, I'm pretty sure you're not going to get any more than a day three pick. So fifth round or sixth round or something like that, but it's better than nothing. And for other teams, maybe if Daniel Hunter is too pricey or you don't have the cap space to fit him in, um, you don't want to make that big try to go for the fences move to add some pass rush and Davenport again is a guy you can get. I think you could get from the Vikings for a lot less than Hunter and he might still upgrade. It would be an upgrade for your team and your pass rush and help you. So I think that he's a guy, another guy to keep an eye on if we decide to trade, because I don't think he's in the Viking necessarily in the Vikings long-term plans. He's only signed for this year and he'd have some trade value because he's a pass rusher and when he's healthy, a pretty good one. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Well, <clears throat> that's it for the top candidates for possible sale. Who knows what the Vikings are doing? They yeah. may even buy. I've heard and floated the idea if somebody like Patrick Sertain from the Broncos, and you got to be looking that there are other bad teams that are going to be looking to sell too. I'm hearing rumors that the Panthers will be, mm-hmm. that Denver's already started, that teams like that might be selling too. If Patrick Sertan comes up for uh, offers, the Vikings might be smart to be a buyer at that point because they could bring in one of the best quarterbacks in the league and help fix the secondary moving forward. Will they do that? I, I doubt it. it really but they could. What happens in the next two games, really, Dave? Like, if, if you yeah. somehow if you beat the Bears tomorrow and you somehow beat the 49ers the following week yeah. and you're now you're three and four and you're all feeling all puffy and good about yourself, uh-huh. uh, then yeah, you're probably maybe thinking you're more of a in buy mode. Then, uh, if you lose those two and you're one and six, well, <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying with Sertang could be part of the, the rebuild mode, you're just starting. You've already, you know, given up, but you're rebuilding, and that could be part of the rebuild solution because you bring him in. He's got two. He's got this year and next year on his contract, rookie contract, and then you can go on from there. And it's just an idea. It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Whether they do move off from anybody, whether the Wolves allow Quasi to make these moves or not. It's mm-hmm. going to be really, really interesting because, you know, in the back of their minds, they're going, what do we have for draft picks? Because we got to move on from quarterback, most likely yeah. at the end of the season as well. So they're going to be thinking along those lines. That all factors in. That brings us to theme three. Vikings 
at the Bears. The Bears. As usual, we're going to start off with the injury report. As of yesterday, last night when I did these, Kene Nwangu was the only one on the Vikings injury report is questionable, but he hasn't even been officially activated yet. So that's not a big deal. Bears have Travis Homer out. Roshan Johnson out, one of their running backs. Terrell Smith out. Eddie Jackson out or questionable, and Eddie's a starter. And Lucas Patrick is questionable. They did put some people on the IR this week, just like we did. And I don't put IR players up here, but for us, obviously, JJ, and for them, it's uh, Cleo um, Herbert. Herbert. So, and Equinemius St. Brown. Uh huh. So, it's going to be interesting as to who they feel because they're banged up themselves. Both they had quite fight. a few guys on the injury report this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a ton of them. Now, when we get to stats, quarterback versus quarterback, I've switched this from power ranking to power ranking rating from PFF, which ranks the, or the power rating ranks, ranks their power ratings. Remember before it was the higher number was the better number. This time it's the, the lower the number, the better number. PFF has Kirk Cousins as the 10th best quarterback in the league and Justin Fields as the 21st. Stephen Powers, welcome to the show, my friend. Hope things are good down under. When we get into offense versus defense, PFF has the offense ranked eighth in the power rankings. The Bears defense as 30th. There's an opportunity there, even without JJ. When it comes to DVOA, they have us 12th, staying even. Uh, We dropped a little bit on PFFs. They have us 12th overall, 14th in the pass. 19th on the, against the run, or with the run. Bears defense, 31st overall, 31st against the pass, and 20th against the run. Obviously, not great numbers. When it comes to Elias Sports Bureau, and that's all your common box score stats that you find on NFL.com, ESPN, CBS, etc., etc. They have... Us dropping just a tad ninth in total yards, second in passing, 28th in rushing, 29th in or 29th in rushing, 29th in points. And we've Kirk's taken a grand total of 13 sacks so far this season. Giveaways, we've given the ball away 12 times. Ugh. <laughs> Minus nine differential, and the Vikings are favored by three points as of last night. On the Bears' side, Elias Sports has them 29th in yards, 31st in passing, 11th in rushing, except for that was before everybody got hurt, all their running backs. Um, They are 29th in sacks, Taken or not taken, but given. They have seven of them. 
and they have they rank 24th with four takeaways on the season so far. Savinio, uh, we talked about in a previous theme, theme two, but yes, it's they've got to be thinking about it. Now, when it comes to the defense over the offense, the Vikings defense remains steady at a power ranking of 21st in the league. The Bears offense is ranked 20th, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. That happens to be because the last two games by Justin Fields has have been good ones. DVOA for our defense has us 19th and moving up, 21st against the pass, 14th against the run, surprisingly. And the Bears offense, 24th, 23rd in pass, and 10th in the running game. Then we get to Elias. Elias has us moving up. We're 19th in yards allowed, 22nd in passing, 13th against the rush, 23rd in points. We have grand, we are 19th or 18th, 19th with 13 sacks, and we have three takeaways, which ranks us 30th. We're shy in that department, whereas the Bears are 14th in yards on offense, 17th in passing, 8th in rushing, 9th in points. They've given up 11 sacks, and they have give the ball away. They rank 8th, giving the ball away, or they rank 20th, giving the ball away 8 times, and they have a minus 4 differential. So, should be interesting. The over-under for this game is 43 and a half points, so they do not think it's going to be a prolifically high-scoring game. Steven, our offensive line ranking per PFF so far, is number one in the run and number two in the pass, number two overall, which is super, super duper surprising this season. Mm-hmm. And it tells you that the quality of offensive lines across the league is not that great either. And there's a whole slew of reasons for all of that. Then we get to our last, our second to last slide, the, nor- the last one stat wise, and that is special teams. DVOA has us falling down to 22nd. I don't know why. It's got to be with the return teams or something like that that's contributing to that. Because the kicking's been fine. Nobody's missed anything. And they've got the Bears. To miss either. (laughs) And the Bears at 14th. Justin's asking how everybody's feeling about this game. And the one last slide that you don't normally see, but we're going to see this week, because we're playing outdoors, is the weather (laughs) slide. The weather tomorrow is up there. The rain should go away by kickoff. It's going to be raining all night long. The field is going to be soggy. They practiced a little bit yesterday with the longer cleats, uh, the seven-prong cleats. <laughs> they learned last year's Lambo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the grass is reportedly high. It's not in good shape. You know, typical Chicago-type deal. They don't have the money to take care of it. They had, you know, a bunch of their lawn equipment stolen a couple weeks ago. It's just don't expect, you know, great things from Soldier Field, and we probably won't. However, 
like I said, it's going to rain all night long. I think it's been raining for, you know, a day or two, but it's going to rain all night long. But that rain is supposed to clear out by kickoff. We have a cool 52 degrees. It'll be moist. We got a slight breeze starting around 19 miles an hour. That will calm down as the game goes on. And eventually we'll get partly cloudy by the end of the game and up to 54 degrees. So the weather shouldn't be that much of a factor. The field may be, but the weather shouldn't be. So that's what you're looking at tomorrow. And by the numbers, the Vikings, there's a reason they're favored, even without JJ. (laughs) We'll start here. Wow. I have that listed as Kirk Cousins. That does not look like Kirk Cousins one little bit. No, it ain't Kirk. Uh-uh. But let's start off with, I got to scroll. Where are we at? Dave's well, got so many graphics, he doesn't know what to do with them all. Well, it's not the graphics. It's also the notes. Um, <laughs> well, the... the, the you showed the injury report earlier, Dave. I think the mm-hmm. one of the, the the things to highlight in this one is that the the Bears, who as you pointed out, their offense uh, is isn't as bad as you'd think they'd be for a one and four team, at least on some of those stats and rankings. But they're they're pretty beat up, particularly at the running back position. Rashawn Johnson, the rookie, he's out. Uh, their starter, Khalil Herbert's out on on injured, and he's out for a while. He's on injured reserve. Travis Homer, who's more of a pass-catching guy out of the backfield than doesn't run the ball that much, but he is also out. So the, the Bears at running back tomorrow have Dante Foreman and other guys I've never heard of. Uh, and, and Foreman's been getting, um, hasn't been getting a lot of work this uh, this season so far. Um, so they got just running back that's on the screen. That's right, yeah. Justin Fields is their second-leading rusher anyway, and and he is really... With those guys out and Foreman, Foreman had a pretty surprisingly strong year last year, and they, he got picked up off the scrap heap and had a pretty good year, and he turned that into a contract with the Bears, but he hasn't done much with the Bears. Uh, he's going to get a chance, chance to do something tomorrow. But really, uh, I think that the Vikings, who have actually, I feel, have defended the run you know, pretty well, Except for they, you know, they got totally gashed in that horrible performance against the Eagles. But otherwise, you know, the the running games, the opposing running team, opposing teams have not been able to run the ball all that well against us. In the char- case of the Chargers game, the Chargers didn't have to run; uh, they're just passing the ball on us at will. So, but um, it, for the Vikings, I don't think I'm not expecting Foreman or their their running backs to. I think we can handle them. It's Justin Fields running that you got to be able to handle and. He ran for over a thousand yards last year. He's an awesome scrambler. It's their second leader rusher this year, not rushing as much yet, but he's a guy that Brian Flores and the Vikings defense cannot let him get those, you know, scramble and get a big chunk, 20, 30 yard, 50 yard, take it to the house kind of plays that just change the whole complexion of the game with his scrambles. And Justin Fields is quite capable of doing that. I, I feel pretty good about the, about the Vikings not allowing that to happen because um, in the games this year, again, you can make an argument that the quarterbacks haven't had to run because they've been doing so well passing it. But, um, you know, Jalen Hurts didn't hurt us with the run. Like, not not like he did the previous year against Ed Donatel. 
Uh, Pat Mahomes was not really a factor scrambling. Uh, Baker Mayfield, who's pretty mobile, he, he didn't really hurt us running the ball too much, a couple of plays. Uh, Justin Herbert, well, he didn't really have to run. <laughs> but... <laughs> And, and and Bryce Young, you know he you know he can scramble. He's got mobility. He didn't hurt us with with their legs. So Brian Flores and the Vikings defense, as you can say a lot of things about them this year that they aren't doing well. But as far as getting hurt by scrambling quarterbacks, that we have not seen that so far. But Justin Fields is going to be the biggest test we've had to that, and it's a real weapon for the Bears because sometimes they can't do much else, but. You know, Fields is their offense if he's running it. So you, you, you got to prevent him from getting those big chunk plays with that. Um, so it's always going to be a problem. <laughs> uh, that's going to be something that we're going to have to have a handle on. The, and one of the other things is that um, you, for the, the Vikings, you I'm sure you may have heard that DJ Moore went ballistic against the commanders last week. Uh, eight catches, 230 yards, three TDs. Uh, and he's in three of his last four games, he's caught his, at least six passes for over a hundred yards. So Dave, he is a guy that's going to has a potent, real potential to be a problem for the Vikings secondary in particular, which is not, um, which is a bit inexperienced has not been all that great uh, this season. And our defense in particular has uh, allowed almost every quarterback to complete you know, pass after pass after pass against us. So mm-hmm. I, I think DJ Moore is going to get some of those. Uh, we just can't allow him to to do what he did against the commanders last week. And again, you know, get multiple 20, 30 yard catches that again, just really boost the bears offense and allow them to get some quick, easy scores against us. So we've got to hold him in check. The good news is, is that the bears don't have a whole lot other than DJ Moore to throw to. Cole commits their next top guy, the tight end, 23 catches, mm-hmm. but you know, he, he, he's a guy you got to account for, but I don't, he's not Travis Kelsey by any stretch. Uh, and then after that, it's Darnell Mooney isn't doing anything. Uh, nobody else is really doing anything. And, you know, I think that this is a game that Justin Fields, uh, he's only completing 61% of his passes. That's really, really, he's not Mr. Accurate. That's really low in this, in this mm-hmm. modern day NFL, even last week with the big game that the Bears had, he barely completed only over 50% of his passes in that game. The thing was that when he completed them, they were for like humongous gains a lot of the time. But, you know, I think that Brian Flores, um, last week we were kind of wondering, will he blitz much against Mahomes because Mahomes kills you with the bl- when you blitz him? I think Fields is a guy that, uh, where I think that the Brian Flores with the well-timed blitzes, can get him confused, can get him um, frustrated, can get him to throw, make some bad throws. And I think that Flores' defense is one that the way that he approaches it, the way he put, likes to put pressure on quarterbacks and, and have a lot of guys at the line of scrimmage and have you create confusion and make you wonder about who's coming and where are they coming from. Um, I, you know, I think that, that Justin Fields is a quarterback who's not going to react well to that. And I like... Daniel Hunter and Marcus Davenport getting after Fields and taking advantage of a Chicago offensive line who that I don't think is all that good. Uh, so the, the Bears' offense, they, you know, they've got DJ Moore, they got Justin Fields, they're dangerous. But I think that this is an offense that we should have success against and be able to keep under control. And and 
we got to get off the field on third down. <laughs> like last week against the Chiefs, it's the Chiefs, it's Patrick Mahomes, but the Chiefs were nine for 15 on third downs. That's uh, way, way terrible too, for us. Mm-hmm. That's just too, too much, too many uh, letting them off the hook on third downs. Uh, and we can't have that happen again in this game. Uh, on the other side of the ball, again, we talked about the Vikings offense. What is it going to look like without Justin Jefferson? We talked about expect that they're going to lean on the running game a bit more. Um, the Bears defense overall, they're again 30th, was it 30th or 31st in points allowed. Yeah, it's uh, way back in yards allowed. And they're 32nd in third down stop efficiency, <laughs> which is which is good because uh, the Vikings were much were better last week on third down, but the previous two weeks they were really bad on on converting on third down. So I don't know what Vikings offense is going to show up, but uh, the Bears defense is a defense that even without Justin Jefferson, we should and we need to have success against. Um, I think that. And the, the one thing that the Bears haven't had the past few games uh, that they are going to have tomorrow is that they're getting a lot of their, potentially a lot of their secondary, starting secondary back. Um, Jalen Johnson is coming back. They're starting outside corner. He's been out about three games. Kyler Gordon, who I think is one of their, their nickels, starting nickel, he is back. And Eddie Jackson is questionable, but the expectation is that he's their, one of their starting safeties. The expectation is he will also be back uh, tomorrow. Uh, questionable, but I think you'll see him play. So that's three veterans in the Bears secondary that they could in, that looks like they're going to have tomorrow. And then that comes just as we're losing Justin Jefferson. Uh, so Jordan Addison, rookie, five games in, we're expecting him to have a much bigger role in the offense. Well, how is he going to react how are the Bears going to defend him? Is he going to be able to step up and be that explosive number one or number two wide receiver, a guy who's dependable that we can depend on to make the big catches at the big times, uh, especially if the Bears have got three of their best uh, uh, coverage guys, uh, defensive backs back in the lineup, and and that allows them to defend Addison differently and with more focus than he's been used to how will he how will jordan addison react to that how will the vikings react to that we don't know but i think that the the bears defense might look a little different and a little better with johnson jackson and gordon back in the lineup than they did without them that's so that's something to watch out for and this is where kj osborne a guy we don't often talk of as being a key to the game i think he's a key tomorrow because he's a veteran He's had a really slow start to the season because they're, the Vikings aren't throwing him the ball all that much. He had a couple of games. He got nine targets last week. That was the most he's had in the five games this season. The previous two games, he'd only been targeted five times in total. K.J. Osborne, and we've seen him do it in Chicago last year. Mind you, it was against a lot of scrubs and backups. But K.J. Osborne has to have be a factor in this game, the past game. He has to be a guy who shows... I am a number two wide receiver or a one B like Kirk Cousins says I am. He's got to catch. He's got to get seven or eight catches, be close to the hundred yard mark and take some of the heat off of Jordan Addison so that it's not all on Addison and even TJ Hawkinson as well. So Osborne's going to be a big key and the running game too, Dave. Um, again, I, we expect that the Vikings are going to try to run the ball more uh, that they're going to go with more heavy personnel. How is that going to work? Again, overall, the Bears defense doesn't have anybody on on the whole 
unit that really scares you. Uh, that that's like a dominant, dominant player that you that can wreck a game. So this is a unit that I think that we should have some success running against. What I think the Bears are going to do is no Justin Jefferson, so we're going to crowd the box. We're going to probably. <laughs> We know that you, you're. We we think that you're going to lean on the run game a bit more because you don't have Justin Jefferson. Well, we're going to force you to. We're going to have more guys than you can block, and we're going to see if you can execute and still run the ball on us. And if you can't, you're really going to have trouble. And I think they especially do that because they got Jalen Johnson back. They've got Kyler Gordon back. They probably have Eddie Jackson back. So I think they'll have more confidence on the back end that they can hold up one-on-one than maybe they would have had last week or the week before when they didn't have those guys. And again, I don't know if the Vikings, again, can line up and just say, we're going to run. We, you know we're going to run. We're going to beat you anyway. But if we can do those things, if we can get Alexander Madison going, if we can get Cam Akers going, uh, even Ty Chandler, if he gets in there, if we can get him going, again, then that opens up play action. That'll give Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson, KJ Osborne some breathing room. And I'll be interested to see, like I said, how the motion, are we going to, how much motion are we going to run? Are we going to try a couple of jet suites? Uh, the ones to Brandon Powell last week, the two that we did in the second half were actually, uh, were fairly effective. We got positive mm-hmm. runs out of that. That's something that you haven't seen from the Vikings, but not again, that one, but yes. not that one, but that was on a punt return, Dave. That's a whole different thing. <laughs> but yeah, I think that those are some of the keys for the offense and they've got to win those things. Um, win those battles, win that aspect of things. I think the other thing that is really important in this one is Kevin O'Connell himself and how he coaches in this game. Um, when you're one and four, um, this hasn't, I think, been the best um, stretch of of his head coaching career, even though it's been a little bit, <laughs> it, it hasn't been a long one, but uh, we've seen some clock management miscues. We've seen some game management, uh, questionable other game management decisions. Um, and, and he even hired a game management guy to sit in the booth. Yeah. To communicate with him, to tell him now, don't take a time out here. You know, do this, do that, whatever. I, that's, that his his offensive play calling has been criticized, called into question. Now that's something when you're one and four that always happens. <laughs> like everybody, ah, oh, it's the play calling. But I think there is some merit to it, uh, and some of the play calling at the times that it's made, uh, the, the plays that we're running, uh, and the decisions that are being made on the field are um, uh, questionable in my mind. Um, the whole thing about again. Um, the running game, we're terrible. Our running game isn't so bad from our 20 to the opponent's 20. But once we get in the red zone this year, we've been a terrible, terrible red zone running team. We don't have a rushing touchdown yet. Uh, that's something that you'd think an offensive guy from uh, the Rams backfield and even the, that uh, who then the Rams have had great success under Sean McVay running the ball. You'd think that'd be something that we'd be able to do. We have not been able to do it. So a lot of things here... Kevin, and even the game plans, like offensively in particular, because Kevin O'Connell is in charge of that, I think for the most part, uh, I'm not seeing offensive game plans that really have opposing defenses fooled um, at all. Uh, We're not, or has the defense looked like they are unprepared for something? They seem to have a pretty good idea what we're going to do. And so these are all things that Kevin O'Connell now at one and four 
with some heat on them tomorrow against a game where the Vikings absolutely have to win or else their season is completely shot. If it isn't already, he's got to have his best game of the year and like motivating guys and calling plays and game management, all of those things do, you know, do much better than he has done. Uh, he's got to outcoach Matt Eberflus. He's got to outcoach and have his coaching staff outcoach the bears coaching staff. That's things. Again, I don't think we've been seeing through the first five games. Uh, it's got to happen tomorrow. Kevin O'Connell's got to come through for us. I agree. And he can't blame communication issues because they'll be using the, the infrastructure from Chicago versus us bank and why that isn't fixed in us bank. I don't know. There <laughs> it should be there. I agree with you. He, they need to step it up. They know they're on the road. They know it should get loud. They know all the issues ahead of time. Plan for it. Execute. Win. Simple. Pretty simple. Um, <laughs> it is. Um, the, the Soldier Field is, I've always hated Soldier Field. <laughs> like it, it seemed like the Vikings always played terrible there. Never play a good game. Lose, 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 even when they're the better team. Well, strangely enough, the past three games, three seasons, we have won. We are three and zero in our last three games at Soldier Field, which kind of worries me for this game, Dave, mm-hmm. <laughs> because we are due to lose one there, and we cannot afford to lose tomorrow. Uh, unless you're like hoping that they lose because you want us to get the number one pick and get Caleb Evans and all that stuff. Uh, but um, yeah, just interesting that we we're now in a little bit of a streak of winning at Soldier Field, where for almost two decades we. Couldn't couldn't seem to buy a win at that place. Uh huh. Yep. We did get a super chat from Grandizer, a free ninety nine cent super chat. Appreciate that, buddy. Thank you. Now every little bit helps. Get plays in faster and use Kirk's knowledge, Brian. From your lips, buddy. From your lips, mm-hmm. you would think they'd be in sync by now, but it. I forgot who said it, but everything, I think it was Jonathan that actually said it earlier, that everything seems just to be, a no, it was Davey, just a little bit clunky, just a little bit off. They need to get, bring that back in the sink. I think once they do that, they can get on a roll. We'll find out if it starts tomorrow. Brian bringing that up is interesting because I, I, I don't know if it's my imagination or what, but I it, it, I have, do notice during games, it's funny, we'll, we'll get a play. Uh, and then uh, it's you know a, a pretty rant, easy play. And then the next thing you know, we're down to five seconds, and the guys are still in the huddle waiting for the play call. And I'm like, like how is that happening? Uh, I know it, it, it wasn't a long, not like a long bomb down the down the field where everybody's got to rush up to where the ball's getting placed, like run thirty yards. It was like a we made a first down. It was a five yard gain or something like that, and it's taking them twenty five seconds to get the play in. Well, I wonder if it's that communications issues, and there's ways to fix that. You get comm guys out there and equipment guys out there. You know, from the moment the game's over, you have them working on their on the radios and the headsets and everything else, and you check every last single one of them, and then you check them all together and you make sure they work, and then you test it again and again until you get a hundred percent. Hey, we're good to go. And then before the games, do the same thing. And then you don't have the excuse of, wow, the headset went out. 
Well, <laughs> that's a, that's an equipment failure. That's not a player failure. That's equipment. Now, if that's causing Kevin O'Connell to call at plays late because he's frustrated over the equipment, Kevin O'Connell needs to learn to move on and move to some other method of communication, whether it's be bringing in plays from the sideline with you know exchanging running backs or whatever it is, do it that way. But they've got to be able to do that. I agree wholeheartedly. Who do you think is going to win tomorrow? I don't have a good feeling about this game, Dave. Just uh, like the Vikings on paper look better. Uh, Stats-wise, they're better in a lot of ways. They got more star power than the, the Bears do. The Bears are like completely rebuilt and and not and they're not ashamed to say so. And uh, but I just don't feel good. Just the way we've been playing, you know, the turnovers every week at, at critical times. Uh, just same stuff. Just playing well enough to lose. And I feel that that's what it's going to be like tomorrow. Um, we'll just play well enough to lose. Mm-hmm. Anthony, you're right. He has been pass happy, but he's had JJ to be pass happy with. That changes tomorrow, so we'll see. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. I do want to thank everybody that's joined us in the chats. I know we don't read a lot of them during the show. There's a reason for it because we turn all our shows into podcasts. We'll have more in the future, especially on the on the membership side. If you'd like to be able to talk to me, Tyler, or Darren, uh, more often, join the membership. We're going to have some private stuff on there that we can exchange stuff. It's a it's a good way to do that. If not, we appreciate any time that you show your support through likes, subscribes, and ringing a bell, sharing, sharing with your friends, sharing with your enemies. We all love that. And remember, we do have the podcast side, and you can get all sorts of other stuff on that side, and we'd like to up the subscriptions there. You know, go over to listen, subscribe, rate, do all those wonderful things you hear on every other show that helps us with our ratings. It would be greatly appreciated. And if you haven't heard already, go back into the Vikings First and Skull feed where I interviewed pay from the bear claw podcast and it went up yesterday a very good insightful view at, from both of us from both points of view from the bears and from the vikings as to how this game should go and it'll just be another you know arrow in your quiver for knowledge when you're talking about this game to your friends so please go ahead and do that we it means a whole lot to us. Darren, have you got any last words? No, sir, Dave. I've said it all. I'm just, let's get the game going. That's right. What do we say, buddy? We say Skull Vikings, baby. Skull Thanks Vikings. Thanks for Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And rate us on your favorite podcast aggregator. Darren and Dave, thank you for watching this episode of Two Old Bloggers. We look forward to seeing you on every show on the new Vikings First and Skull. You can find our podcasts as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Sports takes for the fan, from the fan. Skull, everybody! This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Part of the Fans First Sports Network.